They do say variety is the spice of life, but it's not that great for agriculture, as the NFU's Harvest Survey has discovered. The winter wheat did really well. The all-seed rape was a little bit disappointing compared to, to normal, but then the worst thing was the spring crops. The spring crops were really, really poor. More from Andrew Ward in a short while, including a trip on a rather old machine that's not one, but actually two tractors joined together. Years ago, they couldn't get four-wheel drive, so they removed the front axles of two tractors and joined them together. Plus, we welcome a new voice from Open Field. Sean has your agronomy, and Kelly Hewson Fisher is back with your latest water quality report. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. The NFU published its annual harvest survey this week, with variation the word most used, mostly due to the extreme weather conditions. Among the key findings, the survey found that wheat yields were down 6% on the five-year average and the lowest since 2013. Winter barley was down 2% on that five-year average, with spring barley down 10% at its lowest since 2012. It was better news for oilseed rape yields, just above the five-year average, but only just. And with the Agriculture Bill due back in Parliament this coming Wednesday, it's led to the NFU calling on the government to put measures in place to better manage volatility. Earlier this week, I caught up with Andrew Ward to find out how harvest was for him. I think you're dead right, Sean. Variation is the key um, with, with us. The winter wheat did really well. We had probably the best harvest of winter wheat for a few years. I think we've averaged somewhere about 11.4 tonne a hectare, so which is good. The all-seed rape was a little bit disappointing compared to to normal. We're in low fours tonne a hectare, so a little bit lower than we normally are, 4.3. But then the worst thing was the spring crops. The spring crops were really, really poor. And everything has like a growing cycle, a length of time it needs in the ground. And because our spring crops weren't in the ground till till uh, the 20th of April time for most of them. We lost probably a month of growing season at the start of the um, of the period, and then we also lost a week to 10 days at the at harvest time because it was so hot and dry. So the spring crops to us were were our worst um, uh, crop we grew. Um, so yes, the, it is extremely variable, and the one crop we haven't done yet is sugar beet. And again, late in the ground on the heavy soils, we're leaving them. Uh, we're leaving them as late as we can to harvest, which is a risk on the, on the heavy soils. But uh, we should be OK at the minute, and, and uh, we're going to hopefully look at those, getting those out of the ground probably in the in end of this month or very early November, or again, as late as we can uh, do it. But we've got to bear in mind we have to get wheat in those fields, so it's, it's, um, it's one of those situations, leave it as long as we can. But then the weather we're having, we've got a really long dry spell, haven't we, again at the moment? And you know what will happen when the weather breaks? It will break. It will break, yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Properly. Got the Agriculture Bill uh, about to get its second reading in, in Parliament. What did you make of the bill? There are some good aspects in it, but I think the problem is it's this the whole Europe job and, and the way that the government are looking at, at, at services and, and, the, and the public sort of for goods thing we have to do. And, and um, I, I think it's that area that we, we, that's the, the problem. And we're all doing things for the environment. We've been doing them for a long while, you know, for the environment with looking after nature um, but some people have to start you know from scratch doing it but I think that the, the agricultural bill is, is something that whether it will actually get through in its current state there are lots of tweaks needed and, and uh, it, the government really need to understand that the, the situation that we find ourselves in with Brexit and the way we have our hands tied and, and the way that they're dealing at the minute that we're out of Europe or will be out of Europe 
but yet we're going to have to abide by European regulations. And to my mind, we're, we're at the moment, we're now in the, in the crisis situation where we've got the worst of both worlds. We're out of Europe and we're going to have to follow European regulations, which really, to me, that's not fair at all and it's not level. In the bill itself, the words food production don't appear once in the nope. 62 pages. I don't know if you heard Michael Gove at the Conservative Party conference. He did say food production a fair few times in his speech. If we are to feed a hungry world and safeguard the soil, the water and the air on which sustainable food production depend, then we in government need to act to secure a better future for farming. And leaving the European Union allows us to act faster and more flexibly to sweep away the barriers which have stood in the way of modernising farming. Our new agriculture bill will help farmers to be more productive and it will ensure they get a fair price for their produce. It will mean that they can invest in new technology to help them provide a harvest for the world. And when we are outside the EU, we will also publish a new food strategy for Britain. We'll ensure that food production is truly sustainable, replenishing the soil, using energy wisely and supporting innovation. Do you think the message is getting through? I, I think it is because he's had so much stick the fact that he didn't mention it and even when, when he was talking at the NFU conference in February you know, he hardly mentioned the word food and I think this is the thing that they're, they're thinking that the, the environment is absolutely everything and yes it is important, we all understand its importance and we realise that there's been problems in the past and faults in the past uh, with the farming system and that's why we're all changing but food production is so important and the UK it, it mustn't be forgotten that we produced some of the healthiest and and most traceable affordable food in the world and 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 that needs remembering and that isn't done lightly and it and it's not done easily it takes a lot of time and effort and cost to do that but the environment uh, is important but i think the government and michael gove uh, need to fully realize that food uh, is the main heart of, of, of farming that's what we're here for and obviously we're custodians of the countryside but I think he's had that much stick about not including the word food um, in the health and harm in the document that uh, he thought right I better include it now. Well, I know Michael Gove listens to the programme every week religiously Yes that's great. If there's one thing listening right now that he could do to make your life better on the farm to make your farm better what would it be? I would say he needs to follow science and he doesn't need to listen so much to, to the uh, um, Green Party and the people that say that we're, all we're trying to do is poisoning the countryside and poison people. We're not. We work in the countryside, we handle chemicals and we're growing food and we need to do that as cheaply um, and, and effectively while looking after the environment. And if that means the products that we use, uh, science needs to be followed and the active ingredients that we're using on, on chemicals, it's the removal of those that's causing us big issues at the minute. And I think it's, it's talk to us more and get onto farms more is what they need to do. Talk to the farmers and not the environmentalists who are saying ban everything. Well, Andrew, you sent a, a stern message to, uh, to Michael Gove. Hopefully he <laughs> takes note. Thank you for joining us on the programme. You're going to be on the programme a bit, little bit later on. You are at Southall last week at the, uh, the Playing Festival. Saw an old tractor, didn't you? Yes, that was interesting. The, the, um, the, the tractor we was on was, was the Doe Double D and, and, uh, and that was the sort of tr two tractors um, where years ago they couldn't get four-wheel drive so they were 
remove the front axles of two tractors and join them together. And uh, yeah, they were a common sight a few years ago on, on farms, but of course they were doing something that I, I detest, and that word begins with P, Sean, as you know, <laughs> and that word for the listeners is plough, which we haven't done at home since 2002. But actually going to the, the Southern Ploughing Match, it's the first time I've been, and the only word, way I haven't been before is because the word plough was in it, mm. and we don't plough, so I thought, what would interest me? But I was actually surprised that how, how, how good it was and all the trade stands there and there were some old grey fergies there with two furrow ploughs and these real old farmer boys there were great and they were great to talk to and of course I was asking where are their GPS screens in mm. the little grey fergie and nowadays you know we, we can't farm without technology and GPS and uh, it was great to see you know to see machinery like that and, and traction engines pulling ploughs with ropes across the field and all sorts of things so yeah it was a real good event actually and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well we'll, we'll hear from those two old boys speaking to another old boy uh, a little bit later in the program yeah, thank you Andrew thanks Sean last Friday after 34 years in the grain trade Chris Spratt retired from open field we of course said goodbye to him on the program a few weeks back so uh, it's time for someone new to join the team with the latest update actually we've made two late signings during the transfer window we'll hear from Fred South next week Fred joining Kits and Rebecca along with our new signing who's with us today Jerome Fielder welcome to the program Jerome hi Sean how are you doing I'm all right thank you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself well as you say my name is Jerome Fielder and I'm a farm business manager serving farmers in Leicestershire Nottinghamshire and Lincolnshire I feel I'm filling some big boots with Chris Spratt leaving fortunately however the markets are positive and there's plenty of news for my first report Wheat markets are up on the week by £2.50 on the November 18 futures at circa £178 and on the May 19 futures at £183. The mixed news coming out of Russia continues this week with two news wires contradicting each other. On Tuesday evening we heard that Russia have suspended 30 grain loading exports due to wheat quality issues. However, only 24 hours later, Russian officials stated there are no plans to halt or slow grain movement due to quality issues. And then news on the exportable surplus of wheat varies as well, with reports of 25 million tonnes to 35 million tonnes. However, most private trade estimates view this exportable surplus to be closer to 25 million tonnes. Markets have generally reacted positively on this news, with values rising. On to all-seed rate values, they've lifted this week due to Brazil effectively selling all this year's soybean crop already and additional sales now being sourced from the US, which has supported the whole oilseeds complex. The rise in Brent crude oil prices to above $85 a barrel also supported markets. However, buyers are only looking to cover nearby positions at present in the domestic market. New crop oilseed rape has risen to levels equal to the current year as the condition of the crop in the ground is less than certain with reports of crops being pulled out due to flea beetle damage and lack of moisture. However, farmer selling is resistant with many uncertain of the crop they will have next year. Feed barley markets have remained static this week although the discount is still only £10 in most areas which is smaller than previous years. Feed bean values continue to rally thanks to exports from the east coast being loaded, with values between £205 to £210 a tonne ex-farm, depending on location. However, at these prices, it is becoming more likely that beans will be priced out of the ration for cheaper protein alternatives. In other news, Hovis have pulled out of flour milling and plan to close their Southampton plant, 
which could lead to reduced milling wheat demand. More relevant to farmers in Lincolnshire is the takeover of Rankshover Selby and Manchester mills by Whitworths, which will make Whitworths one of the largest milling companies in Europe. Now for our ex-farm values and premiums. Spot prices are circa £170 to £178 a tonne ex-farm, depending on location for spot, with £1 carry per month on values. New crop values are up again with harvest values at £154 to £161 a tonne ex-farm depending on location and the majority of farms now able to achieve £160 ex-farm for November 19 on feed wheat. Premiums are approximately £8 to £12 on milling wheat depending on location. Feed barley spot prices are circa £160 to £167 a tonne with premiums for spring malting at £25 to £30 a tonne depending on the gain on location. All seed rate values. The majority of farms can now achieve 320 to £325 a tonne for spot movement, with bonuses to be applied. New crop all seed rate is slightly higher, with concern on the crop in the ground. Values at £322 to £326 a tonne X farm for November 19. For more detail on your X farm prices, please contact your local open field farm business manager. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. That's Jerome Fielder at Open Field. I mentioned the NFU Harvest Survey earlier. Variation was the uh, main word that uh, leapt out at us. Sean Sparling, our agronomist, is here. It's been a varied year, hasn't it, Sean? Well, yes, good morning, Sean. And that just echoes really what we've been saying all along. Look, let's go back. It's not all about whether we got a a hot summer or a dry summer. It's not all about north, south, east, west. It's nothing to do with that, in fact. Just think back to where we were this time last year. We'd gone through four of the wettest months of the year, which were June, July, August and September last year. In fact, for me this year, since the 1st of May, between the 1st of May and the 5th of October, in fact, I have registered 108 millimetres of rain in that period. In five months, 108 millimetres of rain since the 1st of May. In the same period last year, I registered 324 millimetres of rain. And it turned out that last year, four of the wettest months for me were June, July, August. August and September. Right through harvest, we were very concerned about that, the implications of that, but it ended up okay. That meant we started with a reasonably moist drilling season last year. If you remember, October and November were pretty dry last year. It allowed us to get some drilling done, but we were drilling into seedbeds that were relatively moist underneath. And it's a very different picture this year. But don't forget, one of the reasons that harvest 2018 will go down as an interesting one It's not all about the summer of 10 weeks of very little rain. It's not all about the winter of 2017 into 18, where it was so wet. It's all about the soil type. It's all about the fields on farms which were well-drained, free-draining, plenty of organic matter, capable of holding moisture when they needed to hold it, and capable of allowing the moisture through when it needed to go through. So this year wasn't all about whether the eastern half of the country got the right weather or the Midlands got the right weather. It was all about how much attention to detail has been paid on individual fields within individual farms because we've all seen it this year. The fields that were better looked after had yielded very well. The fields that hadn't been looked after so well, we know their problems, we know their issues and their foibles. They're the ones which haven't yielded. So it's all about attention to detail and individual fields and in many cases individual areas within fields and it's that which we should be now looking at to address to make sure that we're in better 
positions um, come next year? Because if you remember back, we've all been talking about whether this was like 1976 or 1983. This was very much like 1975. And we all know what happened in 1976. We had quite a dry year in 75. We had a, a dry winter where the reservoirs didn't fill. And that's why we had so many problems in 1976. So we just have to take what we get when it comes to the weather. But what we can do as agronomists and growers and farmers is try and get the land in good order. So organic manure onto these fields allows to, it, it, that increases the moisture holding capacity, good drainage, good soil structure, and the ones that were min-tilled, direct-drilled, spring barley, for example, that's been direct-drilled for the last three years, was so hard I couldn't get my trowel in above an inch when I tried to soil sample it. So we've opened that up and hopefully that'll help us. So it's all about attention to detail. Cultural methods are the best thing forward, the best way forward, really, when it comes to getting the best out of your land. But it is everything to do with the soil. Everything we rely upon for our industry and our livelihood and our food is trapped in that that top 10 inches of soil and it's that bit we have to look after right moving on to agronomy then um, it's been an interesting week very windy week not a lot of spraying done however there are those who've caved in already and bowed to the pressure of the dry conditions and the forecast of a drop of rain and they're out there with the drills as I speak um, hopefully those of you with black grassland will still be holding back on those farms and those fields and I think the majority of people are the ones who aren't are the ones that had wheat full of black grass last year um, so so just bear that in mind because as I walk fields this week it's very noticeable that in these stale seed beds we are just starting to see now the emergence of black grass coming out of these clods and it's what we've said all along now is the period this next fortnight is crucial for that flush of black grass because this is when it likes to come and if you go in there as I've said before with the drill you'll flash that ultraviolet light into the seed bed seal it over and the black grass will come up with your wheat if it does be prepared to round up it um, because your preems, and, and that's another thing, a lot of questions asked this week. Do I need to put preems on with it being so dry? Is there any point? My answer to that is very, very simple. If you think it's good enough conditions to drill the stuff, spray it. Because if you leave that preem without putting it on, the chances are the black grass will already have had its roots down by the time you consider the conditions are perfect for applications. I had one grower last year, sprayed the headlands of his field, got rained off, went back to it seven days later to finish the field he was still pre-emergence of the black grass and the crop but you could see to a line where that black grass came up uh, in the field the headlands were pretty clean so a lot of these herbicides flufenicet in particular doesn't break down unless you're in microbial activity and that's wet conditions so as we sit here now this is friday i'm hoping the forecasters are right and that we are going to get some rain tomorrow saturday if we don't and you're listening to this on sunday morning and we haven't had rain then we didn't pray hard enough i am on my knees as i record this up a lane just outside ramby near horncastle praying for rain because i've got rape that's starting to die on its feet because it hasn't got enough water around its roots and i've got wheat that's been sat in dust since it went in the ground so in answer to the one question that you need to ask if you are going to go out and drill wheat do i need to put the preem on yes you absolutely 
absolutely do need to put the pre-emergent spray on. Get it on within two or three days. Keep your fingers crossed. Um, Oilseed rape, a little bit of foam is starting to appear. The cabbage stem flea beetle starting to hold back a little bit, but don't let your guard down. They're still out there. We've still got soil temperatures relatively high. We've still got relatively warm day temperatures. The cabbage stem flea beetle are still doing their job. Keep your eyes open. Although I did find for the first time the other day, one larvae in a stem. And once you get to that point, there is nothing you can do. So fingers crossed, hold your nerve, hold, hold. Uh, let's see what the next couple of weeks bring. Then we think about drilling some wheat. It's hard to disagree. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Right, on to our fortnightly catch-up with Kelly Hewson-Fisher at Anglian Water with the latest water quality updates. Hello, Kelly. Good morning. Firstly, I would just like to say thank you. It's great to have feedback from so many of you listening to the programme, so thank you. A fortnight ago, things were looking quiet on the water quality data front, and it does remain so. The levels of metaldehyde, which is the active ingredient in some slug pellets, has continued to remain low. It will be interesting again to see what effect the forecast weekend rains have and how much metaldehyde that was applied to protect the oilseed rape crop some weeks ago is still remaining on the field and could be washed off or washed through the soil and then make its way into raw waters, the rivers and streams where we abstract. With winter wheat drilling underway, I would remind you to look at whether you are in a surface water or groundwater safeguard zone. And if so, have a look to see whether alternative slug control measures could be used. Looking at other pesticides, low levels of clopyrrolid, the active ingredient in products such as Grazon, which is commonly used on docks and thistles, have been detected in Rutland. This could be from agricultural use or from other sources, such as controlling the weeds in horse paddocks. Moving on to groundwater sources, over the autumn winter period, we can see nitrate levels rise in our groundwater sources. This can be due to nitrates leaching from bare soils. As an industry, there is a lot of work currently ongoing trying to find and understand the role of cover crops and catch crops. And as I mentioned a fortnight ago, something simple as leaving oilseed rate volunteers has worked well on one farm as a cover crop, which has recently had wheat drilled directly into it. As a reminder, please check if your land is in a surface water or groundwater safeguard zone by using the What's in Your Backyard website. Thank you, and I'll be back in a fortnight with another water quality update. We'll hear you then. Thank you, Kelly Hewson Fisher. We heard earlier from Andrew Ward, and as he mentioned, he spent last weekend at the Southall Ploughing Festival. While there, he couldn't resist finding out more about a doe tractor which was on display. Basically, two tractors joined together with a few wheels removed to make one. It might be better if Andrew explains more with uh, windswept farmers Barry Mumby and Mick Thorpe. Um, guys, we're on the, this tractor at the minute. This is a, a, the doe. Could you just explain a bit of what it is? From looking at it here, it's like two tractors with the front wheels removed, front axle removed, and uh, to get your four-wheel drive. Yes, that was um, exactly it, really. And, and how long, how long was this done? How many years ago was this? In, uh, late 50s into the early 60s. Yeah, and what so, was the idea of it in the first place? Brought upon by an old farmer down in Essex, a bloke called George Pryor, yeah. who was on very, really heavy clay ground, and suddenly came up with the idea of joining two tractors together. And so he, he made a rough thing with a turntable and controls where he had to go to the front tractor to put it into gear and then return to the back tractor. And this one we're on here, Barry, is this yours? Yes. And do you actually use it today, or is it just for, yeah, for demonstration? Just, just for play with. Yeah. yeah. 
And so what today now then? Obviously tractors today, technology. Are you any good on a computer? No. So how would it, this tractor here, you haven't got a cab on it. So if you had to have an iPad on the dashboard here. No chance. No chance. No. <laughs> And what do you think then to technology today when you need GPS to actually drive the tractor straight? Has well, the skill gone out of the job? Most certainly. I, I'm not the best at keeping straight, but I, I can think of a couple of guys in my lifetime who would set a, set a, 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 a bout to drill or whatever, and they'd be equally as good as a GPS system today. They were fantastic. Yes, technology, you can't fight it. No, no. It's the age we're in, but um, when you come to terms of these old things, we could all mend them. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's right. We could mend all yeah. the tractors up to about 1990-odd, mm. early 90s. After that, I'm afraid, the dealerships and the manufacturers have got them as they all exactly where they want us. Any any problem, it's the laptop. Mm. Yeah. Barry, what, what, what do you think to uh, the, the today now that the common thing where a lot of people now aren't cultivating the ground, they're putting cover crops in and direct drilling, a big change or... Well, going around us, around sort of North Lincolnshire because they haven't made ploughing they absolutely grown up with blackgrass and then they seem to plough probably every four years to bury it I don't know to bury it or what all these modern chemicals do it I don't know so you think we need to go back to the old fashioned way of farming and well, producing plowing, food ploughing every so many years hasn't it so while we mention the word ploughing which uh, I haven't done for a long while on the farm but we won't we won't go down that one um, on the back here you've got a four for a plough what is it is it ransom yeah ransom yeah yeah ransom and what what bodies are you using on it UCN 14 inch right and what depth are you ploughing here what 10 inch and you'll find these bodies, these UCN berries, it yeah, good, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So th this this show here is this something to come to every year? We've done Flintham Show and Sewell Show for the last nineteen years. I am yeah. nineteen to twenty years. Um, having first bought the tractor and restoring it. Um, so how many of these are they? Uh, in Nottinghamshire, where we are now, you will probably find. Well, you will find the most concentrated amount. That you know, as you see today, there's probably ten today. Yeah, we, yeah. we can get 10 or a dozen. We've been all over, we've been to Cornwall and Ireland and all over doing this. It's basically given us all an interest and we've met some really interesting people. That's the thing about it. And, and, so and that people can see how manoeuvrable they are, that was the main thing yeah. when I was starting that. Yeah. Dancing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, you can see they are manoeuvrable. Yeah. But really eye catching, isn't it? When you see two tractors like this and you think the front one's going to drop off because there's no front wheels on it. But yeah, anyway, Barry, Mick, thanks ever so much. Absolutely fascinating. Barry Mumby and Mick Thorpe chatting there with Andrew Ward about their doe tractor. Oh, and a few views on current farming practice as well. As you could hear, it was quite windy at Southall last weekend, but I thought, uh, despite the wind, it was still well worth a listen. Is it a windy week ahead, though? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Changeable is uh, probably the word that sums up the week ahead. A warm front heading our way. Some warm, moist air off the Atlantic, which will warm things up in the week. Today, uh, not too bad, actually. 13, uh, the high, mostly cloudy. We're looking at winds from the southwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. Staying cloudy overnight tonight, we've got lows of 8. That wind continuing from the southwest, 10, maybe gusting at 25 miles an hour. And then it warms up, 16, the high for tomorrow. Plenty of sunshine as well. That wind continuing from the southwest between 15 and 20 miles an hour. Clear skies overnight to start Tuesday morning. We've got lows down to 8 Celsius. The wind from the south-southwest, 10, still gusting at 20 miles an hour. And then cloud building through Tuesday. Temperatures at 17, though, and that wind from the south-southwest is still up to 20 miles an hour. 
Mostly cloudy overnight, keeping temperatures around 10 Celsius to start Wednesday. The wind from the south, 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then as I say, that warm front continues. 20, the high for the middle of the week at the moment. Mostly cloudy, the wind continuing from the south between 10 and 20. And then a bit more wind to come through Thursday. Coming down a bit by Friday, we may get some heavy rain towards the end of the week as well. Temperatures generally between 15 and 20 Celsius because of that wind from the south. Overnight lows of around 10 degrees. That's the forecast. Well done to the winners of the Farmers Weekly Awards this week, uh, held at the Grosvenor House Hotel in London on Thursday. A good night, by all accounts. Andrew Lawton from Louth took Beef Farmer of the Year. Uh, Mike Chaplin from Suffolk was named Farm Manager. And the overall Farmer of the Year was awarded to arable farmer Craig Livingston. Well-deserved good winners. Good luck also to the organisers of the National Young Farmers Week, which has just started celebrating the great work of our young farmers clubs. Here's to a successful week if you're a young farmer. And if you're not, well, have a good week anyway. Take care.